Welcome, everybody, to Live from the Dutch Hall. We got a big show tonight. CFL offensive lineman and 2014 Grey Cup champion from the Calgary Stampeders, Shane Bergman, is here. I'm the man who writes the music for the show, Dave Charters. And now, you know him and love him, your host, Pete Van Dyke. Oh, thank you, thank you. Hot crowd, hot crowd here today, big show. Big show. Well, thank you, David. Well, it's always great to have you here at Life in the Dutch Hall, everybody. As Dave, my announcer, who did such a fine job, said, we have the great CFL champ, uh, great cup champion, Shane Bergman, is here. And uh, so we're honored to have him. We have a great show. It's our last show uh, before the Lenten season, Dave. You're a staunch Catholic. That's right, I am. Right? So we, I, that's why I invited you in, a staunch Catholic. I know every year for Lent, you go through some sort of horrible, traumatic uh uh, sacrifice where you give yourself to Jesus Christ, your Savior. Is that correct? Something like that. I like to make a big sacrifice every Lent. And you almost kill yourself. It's fair to say, like it was dangerous. <laughs> it's always something that takes your takes your life into your own hands. It's it's grossly dangerous and uh, generally not accepted by any medical professional. The stuff you do is that correct? Just the alcohol withdrawal alone, I think, is is <laughs> it's pretty dangerous for me. So you're gonna go without alcohol again this Lent, Dave? Oh yeah, only five days left. Five days left. Clear my fridge out. Uh, and then, and then, what do you? What's the thing? Just alcohol, or are you going further? This year, I think I'm gonna probably do what I did last year and go just full, uh, just full on raw food, raw and, food and, and water, water to drink. That's what you're doing. Yeah, for the whole season, for Lenten season. Now, yeah. um, are you allowed to uh, curse? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. But that's but but you're not allowed to eat. That's right. Just just uh, just nourishment. That's right. Right, raw food. That's right. So, but you will, will you still come it's into life with fast? Would you smoke cigarettes? Oh, yeah, cigarettes are fine. <laughs> okay. As long as you can have a good diet of As long smoke. as I don't eat them. Well, anyways, Dave, they're we'll processed, <laughs> highly processed cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't eat them. Don't, don't eat, eat them. them. Well, they're raw. No, they're not. Well, they're cured. They're cured cigarettes. Does that count? Can yeah, you have no cured good. meat? No meat at all. No meat for the entire Lenten season? Only raw fruits and vegetables. What about fish? What about yeah, sushi? Nah, I don't do it. Nope. You won't do sushi or we won't do raw fish? Nope. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with you. What's the matter? Like, how do you get protein? So you're uh, full, eat, like. I eat some nuts. What about milk? No milk. No. It comes from so you're milk. vegan. You're vegan? That's right. Raw food. You're vegan. Raw food vegan with only water. No Hardcore. coffee? No, no coffee. Jeez, you're like, you're like it's, it's, not, it's not right. I would eat a handful of coffee beans freshly picked. <laughs> that's how you get up in the morning, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, well then, that's that. Well, it's nice to see you, love Jesus. That's why you're a staunch Catholic. You come on the show now, Dave. Would you say going into this, uh, what kind of shape are you in? As far as how this is a starting point, so we'll monitor you. I'd through. say I'm slightly over my ideal weight. You slightly my height. <laughs> my BMI is a little on the high side right now. Yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, so we're going to monitor your progress. We want to keep having health checks of you through the Lenten season and make sure you're okay. So if you, even if you're not able to attend any of these episodes, will you promise to call in or send us a message to let us know how you're doing? Because we are going to worry. The audience is going to worry about you because it seems a little drastic what I'll you're doing. I'll keep you updated. All right. Well, let's get this show started, Dave. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's We've got a big up. guest waiting here. We, I, can't, I can't ignore him. He's right in front of me. He's blocking out the sun. We've got to get him. we got to get to him eventually. Let's start the show. All right. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, bartender.
Welcome, welcome, everybody. Big show today, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for coming back to Live from the Dutch Hall. And we have a big show, not only because of our guests this week. We have, uh, again, the Great Cup champion, CFL offensive lineman, Shane Bergman, is here from the Calgary Stampeders. And we're honored to have him. He's the pride of Norfolk County, coming to bring the Great Cup to Norfolk. For, has it ever happened before, Shane? Uh, I don't think it's been in Norfolk before, no. Yeah, so first time ever where we get a local boy done well and yeah. going to bring the Cup back to Norfolk County. We really couldn't be prouder of you to have you here. But before we get started and, and we give Shane a proper introduction, a proper interview, I'd like to uh, share some exciting news about Live from the Dutch Hall. We had a lot of great big announcements to make, so I want to do it quickly, if you don't mind, before we get into it, Shane. That's fine. Um, charters, i got to tell you, because you, you've been a part of the show since the very beginning, you've been on the very, you were on the very first episode. I wanted, I'm glad you're here for this great, uh, great event. Not only am I glad you're here because I've never met Shane uh, Bergman before, and he's brought his brother... Uh, Brandon here before. Did I get it right? Yeah, Justin. Justin Brandon. <laughs> I did it all the time. I did it the whole day. I said, day. <laughs> Justin, Justin, Justin. And then I go out and I blurt out Brandon at the end. I told you I'd screw it up, too. And you reminded me before, and I said, I don't need it. Remember, I said, I don't need it. I got it, Justin. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sorry. So he brings his brother, Justin. And what I know about Shane is that he's a giant man. So uh, I know I never met you before. I don't know what your temperament's like. I don't know if you're gonna think I'm a real dick, or you know, you're, if you're gonna be like, a, if there's gonna be hostility before us. So what I did was I I brought in Charters because uh, Charters. I know you're an offensive lineman, but Charters himself. I don't know if you can know by looking at him, but if you you're, you can see other professional uh, football players, athletes, and stuff like that. Right. What you might not know about Dave is he's very sturdy. He's got a low center of gravity, yeah. eh? Definitely looks like a nose tackle. Nose tackle? Yeah, is that what you think? Yeah, defensive lineman. Yeah, and really like a girthy head, yeah. you know, for the size of him. Yeah, like a, that, that's what I believe is. So I thought if, the, if it came to like blows between us all, you know, and it got to be a big Bergman Van Dyke uh, kerfuffle, right? Because you didn't like what I was saying. Then I bring in the old square-headed Pollock, and then then it would then he could at least like hold ground, you know, yeah. until we could figure out a way to get out of here. And then I could yeah. run with my tail between my legs. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons I had him in. But another reason is because these great big announcements we have for the show. And this week, I got it. We worked out some great things for the show. We had uh, been in negotiations to get our show on a basic uh, public access cable channel, and. Uh, there's been uh, the one guy pitched my show to the cable channel, and we were talking about getting it, uh, getting it a visual element to the show so it can be filmed. The only thing was uh, the 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 TV show, the people and the uh, station managers or whoever the powers that be over there, they thought they weren't sure if I could be funny without cursing, without cursing, Dave. Can you really? believe that? Oh, you can't believe that. You're a funny guy. Well, my daughter Maya reminded me. Uh, she goes, "Dad, I told her this because I felt I felt kind of like taken aback by it. I thought I, my humor is not contingent upon my cursing or not." And Maya reminded me that last year during the Lenten season, you know how you're not the only. I'm not a staunch Catholic, but I'm a small C Catholic. We've mentioned this before, so I do give up a little thing here and there for Lent. And the one thing I gave up last year was cursing on live from the Dutch Hall. Do you remember? I do remember that there was a swear jar or something going on, some sort of donation or something. Right, and I had to donate that money to our uh, our Lady Queen of Martyrs in Delhi is what I donated the money to. Whatever I uh, generated from cursing during Lenten season, the money went to the church. Right. That's a good Catholic move. Yeah, I'd say right? so. I can't remember how much you donated at the end of those 40 days. It was like 25 bucks. Ah, That's what all it was. I think it was good. like five bucks a swear, and I was like, I only did it five times, you know, That's where I good. slept. Pretty good, eh? Yeah, really good. Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. And those episodes were hilarious. They were great episodes. <laughs> 
I think the Jager Bomb Olympics was in that one, wasn't it? We have our bartender, Paul Van Dykes here. Wasn't that in that one? I didn't think I cursed at all on that. It's one of the highest rated shows. It's a great show. Go back and listen to it. It was the only show ever to be re-released on Live from the Dutch Hall. So to those people, at least, think I was a little taken aback, a little offended by that, you know? So it got me thinking, you know? I'm not sure they really get what we're doing here at Live from the Dutch Hall. I'm not sure if I want to, if I'm going to go through the trouble of filming my program, which is just starting to gain momentum and get a little bit of uh, interest from people out. We got a great guest here today, Shane Bergman from the Calgary St. Peters. So if we were able to attract great guests like this, he's got his own Wikipedia page. Yeah, he's a Wikipedia <laughs> guest. So we got another Wikipedia guest. And by the way, I think I'm ready for Wikipedia. Maybe, uh, maybe some of you guys can help me out and get me on Wikipedia. They wrote an article about me for Christ's sake. Like yeah. that's all they got to do. Now I'm. I can verify who I am. I'm Wikipedia a bull. How did you get on Wikipedia? Nothing you I, did? No, I did nothing. I just searched up my name one day. Actually, someone actually told me. They searched up my name, and then it was there, and someone just did it for me. No really? Idea. Yeah. But you can all do Wikipedia yourself, though. Wikipedia, you can just go on, and uh, you can you can write whatever you want about uh, yourself or whoever wants to write anything about you. Yeah, one time, I was looking at Rob Gronkowski yeah, from yeah. the New England Patriots, and it was yeah. like, uh, Rob Gronkowski, the most badass tight end in the NFL right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty funny. I know, but if I do it myself and I try to get myself on Wikipedia, they'll tell me no. Oh, really? Yeah, because a listener did it for me, and I didn't have uh, an article written about me that could substantiate the claims of who I was. Mm -hmm. So they said, I, and they also said that was one reason I couldn't have my Wikipedia page, and the other reason was they said I was insignificant. I was oh. insignificant. Oh. And, and not only was I insignificant, but every guest I had was insignificant, really? which I think is, well, now it's not the case, right? We have Shane Bergman. <laughs> well, the, oh, sorry, Great Cup champion Shane Bergman. I know you <laughs> wanted to be referred to as that for the entire <laughs> show, right? <laughs> <laughs> You've earned it. You've earned it. <laughs> but anyways, back to the big announcements here, Dave. Uh, uh, we have, um, we got, so I said to him, I don't think I want to do the show that way. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to we're going to kill two birds with one stone next week. We have the film crews coming in to do the first uh, live, sh uh, f uh, like f video version of Live from the Dutch Halls next week. We're trying to line it up right now, and we're got a great show where what we're going to do is we're going to have the wheel of uh, the dirty wheel. I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but the wheel of dirty is going to go up on the wheel. Excuse me. We're going to invite. We're going to. I'm going to issue an open challenge to the listeners of Live from the Dutch Hall, or more importantly, for the former guests of Live from the Dutch Hall. If you think you're up for the challenge, if you're listening to this episode right now and you want to come into Life in the Dutch Hall and issue the, and accept the challenge of having down and having a filthy conversation with me about whatever subject we spin on the wheel, and there's going to be some dandy, dirty subjects on that wheel, but all very clinical and all very clean with no poor language because it's a Lenten season next week. It's a Lent, so we're not going to be swearing. Clean and, and scientific. We're going to be talking about dirty subject matter, Dave, as dirty as we possibly can. We're going to show them that uh, you don't need bad language to be completely filthy and inappropriate. <laughs> and that's what we're going to teach them next week on Live from the Dutch Hall for the first video show. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to show it on TV either. <laughs> but we will make sure we get it to you on the Internet. And if anyone wants to be a part of that, just reach out to me at livefromthedutchhall.gmail.com. At and uh, I will, I will uh, see if we can get you on the show. And you can uh, join in the Wheel of Dirty, which will be next week, the first Video uh, performance live from Dutch Hall. And next week we'll be able to tell you how to get it. Maybe filth. The wheel of filth. The wheel of filth. Yeah, that might be yeah. good. The wheel of filth. I was gonna, let's donate it. Let's uh, dedicate it, I should say, to Pope Francis next week. So we'll call it in, in dedication to Pope Francis, the wheel of filth. You know, because it's uh, my Lenten promise. I don't know if I support that. Why? Is it, is it, <laughs> I'm a staunch Catholic. He's a Pope of the people, Dave. He's a Pope of the people. <laughs> he would appreciate a good dirty show. 
<laughs> the Pope, by the way, Dave, just so you know, uh, this is an aside. The Pope, um, the Pope said on, on the, uh, an interview last week that he doesn't even know anything about a computer. Can't even turn it on. And I've been following the Pope on Twitter for some time yeah, and reaching out to him trying to plan a yard sale. <laughs> and uh, it turns out the Pope doesn't even know how to use Twitter. He's been lying to me the entire time. The person I've been talking to is just some staffer that's just really? pretending to be the Pope. Just some cardinal. Someone, yeah. Maybe just some lay person, God forbid. <laughs> just a regular schlub like us, Dave. That would be just terrible. It's just a waste. I feel betrayed by the Pope. So anyways, he owes me. I'm dedicated. So... He's the, waving at me the, over there. Yeah, he's waving <laughs> in the windowsill. So we, uh, so we have that as a big announcement for next week. But we have to set some ground rules, Dave. We have, to, and maybe Shane and uh, and Justin can help us. You got it right that time, Justin. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are right, I'm nailing it. <laughs> so we got uh, we got to set ground rules because next week we're not allowed to swear. So the punishment, if you swear on my episode uh, next week, you will be kicked out of that uh, episode. You no longer be able to have mic time. Immediately ejected. Yeah, and you might be inject, ejected from the room. It's going to be taken very seriously that you have to keep it clean but dirty at the same time. Like, you want to be dirty as you can, but no swear words. And we will delete any swear words from the show. So none will, none will air. None will air at all next week. Can't bleep them out? No, it's not going to be bleeped out. It's going to be cut completely. I don't even want the context of the swear, Dave. If you can't find a clever enough way to say a dirty thing without saying a swear word, like blowjob, I'm going to say blowjobs on a swear word list. I'm going right. to say cock and uh, pussy, like those sorts of slang for the genitals is a swear word. You can say penis and vagina, and uh, you could say labia and vulva. Twat? Can you say twat? Twat is not allowed, Dave. That's a slang version. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slang version of it. It's not allowed. So no twat. And then the big swears, you know, the ones you can't say on TV? Those ones also are on there. All the George Carlin words, you can't say them. You still can't say them. Titties, no titties. Breasts, mammary glands, etc. That's allowed. So, so no boobs. Boobs. Oh, that's a good one, Shane. Because uh, boobs. Hey, what do you think about boobs, Dave? It's not really a swear word. I think if you're watching primetime television, would they say boobs? I think they. I could. think you could say boobs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's go, let's allow boobs. Right. Um, we're gonna allow boobs, but uh, what about cans? I don't know. It's slang. I don't. We'll go boobs. You can go boobs or breasts. Breasts is. Uh, Chicken breast. Yeah, breast is kind of too clinical, but you can say that sort of stuff. And then uh, no racial slurs is always on Live from the Dutch Hall. I don't enjoy them. I'm not a supporter of them uh, at all. So we're going to say no racial slurs or hate speech of any kind, okay? Yeah, that's a regular rule. Yeah, but and that'll you'll get ejected for that. But on a regular basis, if you want to say something, if I had a person, let's say, I would never do it on purpose, but if a person comes in here and unveils himself, if Shane... You all of a sudden you sit down halfway through the interview. I realize you're a grand wizard of the KKK, and you just kind of came out in conversation. I'm surprised by it. I'd probably let you go off, even though it's probably going to cost you your job. And uh, <laughs> but I would let you go off and just probably air the show if you're cool with it. But uh, uh, but I wouldn't like uh, instigate instigate it. I wouldn't go out and seek out the grand wizard and so we can have a hateful thing or whatever, you know. But it's live in the Dutch Hall. You never know if the odd racist stumbles in here. They just won't be invited back. Okay. And uh, so that's the ground rules for next week. Is that, are you cool with it? Yeah, it sounds good. All right. Well, so that's it. So that's the, that's the next week's show. The other big announcement I have is we're, we are very close to signing a, the official house band of Live from the Dutch Hall, and I couldn't be happier about it. We've been in negotiations all week of forming a new super group that will act as the, uh, the house band of Live from the Dutch Hall. And this, and I'm really excited. I, haven't, I can't announce it because we haven't accepted the terms. They haven't accepted the terms completely of the agreement. 
But the, the band in question, I'll give you the title, the name of the band. It's the Nocturnal Emissions. They're a great band out of Norfolk County, a super group of sorts. You're very, live from the Dutch Hall people will be familiar with the two artists that were having uh, formed this super group, not since the super group Asia has there been has there been such a, a coming together of, of such great music, musical minds, eh? So we're we're excited to announce that Nocturnal Emissions could be next week the the official house band of Live from the Dutch Hall. So big news, big news, big news, Dave. Let's get a round of applause for that. Oh shit! Oh, there you go. All right. How you guys doing for beers? You all right? All right. Maybe a couple, Paul. Yeah, I'll grab one right now, too. So that's all the big news. So the only other thing we should do before we get started is we should thank our sponsors. Uh, thank, we'd always like to thank, as always, Amazon. If you'd like to go to livefromthedutchhall at gmail.com, that's my, uh, or no, sorry, if you'd like to go to my website, livefromthedutchhall.com, and you can click on the Amazon banner and do all your Amazon shopping. A little bit of that money comes back to help the show. And we're inching up towards our first check from Amazon, so thank you to everyone who has contributed in Canada and the United States uh, doing their Amazon shopping and helping out live from Dutch Hall. Also, I wanted to give you um, uh, give a shout-out to VG Meats. If you go to my website again, livefromthedutchhall.com, you'll find a coupon from the good people at VG Meats who have all supported our show for quite some time now. There's always great deals on great food. My wife and I just had the uh, Valentine's Day special tenderloin for supper last week. It was delicious, and we used the Dutch Hall coupons, so we gave a little bit of the... Uh, money from our purchase back to myself for last week. So it's not just Ryan Vandenbush buying meat from those guys. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you very much for everybody that contributes there and helps out. VG's are a great company, and uh, they've been great supporters of the show. So thanks to my sponsors. That's it. And then uh, now, without further ado, the moment we've all been waiting for, the great... The great CFL, what, the Great Cup champion Shane Bergman, <laughs> and I want to give a little bio on Shane. Shane is a Norfolk County boat, which is where we're from here at Live from the Dutch Hall, which is uh, southern Ontario. He comes from a little town called Teeterveld. Shane's uh, born on a tobacco farm, like myself, uh, and uh, grew up. Uh, what's third generation tobacco? Or your grandfather? No, it would have been, uh, been fourth. I, I don't know. My great grandma definitely grew tobacco, but uh, I don't know about his. His dad probably it's probably who knows how many years. Like so, your family's been over here for a while, eh? Then? Yeah, yeah, quite so, a while. So uh, yeah, so a lot of tobacco history. So we have a similar upbringing yep. that we would have grown up on a tobacco farm and stuff like that. And to have a, a local guy, you went to Waterford High School. Yep. Played for the Waterford Wolves, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, where you won a championship with yep. Waterford Wolves in '08. And it's on your Wikipedia page eh? yeah, they, that your their high school championship got yeah. mentioned here. So yeah. that's that's good. Now Charters went one year. I don't know if you know about Dave, but Charters went one year to uh, Waterford High School. Okay. And they were still referred to as the Redmen, were they? That's right, the Waterford Redmen. Yeah. Yep. The, the Waterford Redmen. VHS. Eh? But you were never a Redmen. No, I got, I don't know what year that got changed. I got changed way before I ever got there. Yeah, you're to, the, to the Wolves. To the Wolves. Yeah. yeah, Wolves. Wolves is a, is slightly less racist than the Waterford Redmen. Yeah, they Red had Men. a big Indian head on our on the jerseys back then. It was like a Waterford Cleveland Redmen. Indian type of yep. like like a cartoon like caricature of a native Canadian, yep. right? The headdress. And, <laughs> were they having that discussion about the Washington Redskins too? Yeah, I don't even know if you're allowed to say that. The Washington Football Club, I think you're yeah. supposed to say. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, there are people on uh, on the, on sports channels that won't refer to them as the Redskins anymore. They only Washington refer to them as the Washington Football Club. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, because of all the controversy surrounding mm -hmm. it. And I, I don't know. It's hard to say. The Blackhawks don't catch any grief about it. The the Chicago Blackhawks, right? They uh, they are uh, because they're saying they're uh, make, paying honor to a proud tribe that did something great That's or right. whatever. They're celebrating the diversity. 
Right, right. And they're, they're doing it with some sort of honor. And if you look at the Indian head, or sorry, yeah, it's an Indian. That's what the, the, the traditional Indian head picture that the Chicago Blackhawks have. Like that even sounds. I don't even know what I can say anymore, right? Like, but that, but that's what it was. The Indian head, and they had the Indian head coins with yep. the picture of the Indian head on, same as the Chicago yep. Blackhawk was. But all that stuff's supposed to be honoring the natives, whereas uh, um, the Redskins is is um, is is a derogatory, right? That's the argument. But the Cleveland Indians is ridiculous. Those guys have like the cartoon Indian. That's, oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. basically like blackface, like the old mammy stuff, like with with the uh, with with the uh, black people and stuff. Hey, eh? don't you think? Yeah, it's a total caricature it's like, of a... It's a character. It's offensive yeah. however you look at it. And the Atlanta Braves, they kind of get away with it too, don't they? I can't even picture the logo of the of the Braves. But the biggest controversy of all was the Waterford Redmen. Yeah. Which is where your alma mater was to get back to Shane Bergman, our guest, the Grey Cup champion, Shane Bergman. But, uh, we, but uh, the, so the Waterford Redmen changed their name because of all the outlash from Six Nations, I imagine. Probably. And the... But it was a good thing to do. Waterford Wolves is a lot yeah. less, a lot more palatable. Yeah. And it, it looks it looks better on your Wikipedia page yeah, than if does. you were the Waterford racist uh, <laughs> <laughs> depiction of yeah. the natives Canadians. <laughs> yeah. So Waterford Wolves, you won a championship, and then you went to Western Ontario to get for your university yes. yeah, CIS. Yep. Now I have a question for you. I have a question for you about that. When you go to, uh, how do you get notice from Waterford to go play there? Do you have to like try out or? Well, basically, how I got noticed, uh, not only did I play Waterford football, I did, like, Brantford Bisons, and I also did camps when I was a kid. Um, like, there was this guy named Peter Zonta did a camp where he brought uh, Canadian, like, local talent um, from southern Ontario, and we went to the States and all this stuff, and we went all across Canada doing camps at different universities and stuff. And So I got noticed from tons of different universities. I was recruited from universities out in B.C. to out uh, east, and I was... Uh, even recruited by some universities down in like uh, the states, like Bowling Green and Akron. Oh yeah, and those guys, yeah. So um, a couple of local guys went there at Bowling Green. Hey, eh? Rob yeah. Blake and yeah, Nelson Emerson. Yeah. Bowling Green apparently is one of the best hockey programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nelson Emerson, I think, was Bowling Green too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what? Uh, at what age was that way that you were getting noticed? You're in high school still. So I was about 13. I was like, really? I, yeah, like I was a big kid. Like I'm big now, but I was big when I was growing up. Like I thought I was gonna be like seven foot two because like i was this tall at 13 oh really yeah so like i thought i was seven foot two nba how tall are you six seven six seven yeah yeah, yeah so. to give the listeners an idea i looked on wikipedia at the tail of the tape it says six seven i think 320 or something to give yeah, everyone an idea 330 yeah yeah, yeah it was funny because uh my first year in the cfl it uh i was heavier and uh i was about 390 and then but i couldn't move at all like i was i was really slow out of my stance and stuff so uh Coach has said number one thing you had to do when you go in the off season for this next year is uh, lose some weight. So I got down to about three twenty eight. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's a lot of weight to lose. Eh? Yeah, no, it made a whole huge difference on the field. What did yeah. you do to, to to lose it? Well, honestly, my girlfriend, she's uh, my fiance. Vegan. Yeah, she's vegan. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Lenten. Yeah, promise. exactly. No, she's uh, going through to be a dietitian. So uh, she worked as a bariatric educator in Hamilton. Oh yeah, and uh, so she tells. You know, people how to eat every day, and she, I just said, you know, honey, give me a, give me a strict program, and I followed it, and it just worked with all my working out and stuff, and yeah. you know, it just worked. And you noticed it affected your speed like right away. Oh, right away. Yeah. 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 When I got there, though, the beginning of the season, I felt like I was a little bit weak because I lost, you know, sixty pounds. I felt like I was a little bit weak in the legs and my hips and stuff, and then, but just from practicing when I got there, from being in the football stance and practicing, I just built the muscle mass over a couple of weeks, and then I was good. 
Yeah, yeah, and it made a big difference, right? Because like 2014, you start you started on a regular basis that year, right? Yeah, this year, well, uh, I didn't start at the beginning of the year, and uh, about four games in, our left guard unfortunately went down. Well, like I, I always tell people, I always say, you know, uh, unfortunately he went down. I never wanted to see him go down, but I was happy he went down because I got to go in and uh, yeah, it gives you, you know, an opportunity, give right? me opportunities. But yeah. uh, when I went in, you know, I just uh, said to myself that I won't let him take that spot back yeah, yeah. and uh i didn't so i just went and kicked everyone's ass out there and it was i had a great year is he still year. on the team yeah he's still on the team he came he got better and then uh he came in and he took the right guard spot because he's 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 a good or a football player and uh he came and took the right guard spot played another two or three games at the right guard spot and then he got hurt about three games again and then the old right guard came back in and that was our offensive line the rest of the year for, into the great cup and it was uh like it, it had to be the it has to be arguably the best offensive line in the CFL. Yeah, we were. We had the lowest, we had the most amount of rushing yards and the lowest amount of sacks, and that's how offensive lines get uh, judged. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were good. It's like in both the plus ways. minus of uh, football, yeah. sort of. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, how many sacks? How many? You and your quarterback retweeted the thing about uh, yeah. you being on this episode, no, so that shows that uh, that that yeah. he respects you, right? Yeah, he no, takes care good. of you, right? Yeah, that, I was pumped when I saw that. Even every offensive lineman loves getting retweeted by the quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> feels like you're special. Yeah, if he doesn't if he doesn't do it, it means that you might he doesn't like your work, right? Yeah, I know. Like yeah. you know, if he retweets it and says you know don't listen or something, you might be <laughs> worried about your job. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you, like. Uh, when you're um, when you win, like in the NFL, you hear about a guy that wins a Super Bowl. Like a, the quarterback will take the offensive line out for a nice dinner. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Does that happen in the CFL? Oh yeah, I don't think it's quite to the same extent uh, because you know the money in the CFL is not quite the same as the NFL. But you know, Bo treats our offensive line really good. Uh, he brings. I think he's taking out to at least the keg at least five times. Like the whole offensive line, you know. Oh yeah. He comes yeah. with booze and everything, so you know he's coming to a couple thousand dollar bills. Yeah, yeah. And he'll pay for it no problem and. You know, that's really, really nice to see when, you know, when you work that hard for someone yeah, yeah. and he treats you nice because, you know, quarterbacks, they get paid the most. So when he treats you nice, it's that's actually good. a really good feeling. But you make your running back look good too, don't you? Yeah. And that's actually a funny story about that because uh, John Cornish, he's the best, arguably the best running back in the CFL, maybe ever to play in the CFL. And uh, he had an amazing year this year and uh, he never took us out for something to eat. And we're always like, oh, we're always, you know, grinding our asses off for him, trying to get him, you know, his yeah, rushing yeah. titles and his MVPs <laughs> and all this stuff. And, and the whole line needs to eat. Yeah, we need to eat. You know, we, just, we need to stay about 300 pounds, you know. And uh, so my buddy actually made fun of him at the end of the year in front of the whole team. And uh, and at the end of the year, he took us out for this awesome prime rib dinner, took the whole team out. and But, like, since... Uh, since he never takes us out, some of us are getting like double desserts, and <laughs> <laughs> making it worthwhile, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. good. Well, I, that's the thing I read an article about. Uh, we'll get into John Cornish since you bring him up, but uh, John Cornish, you said like he's he was the CFL Player of the Year, right? Like he was the off, uh, Canadian Player of the Year, Canadian Player yeah. of the Year, and yeah. he was actually named uh, Canadian Athlete of the Year too uh, uh, last year. Oh, last year, I think so. I think Kaylee, yeah, I think Kaylee Humphreys was this year the the uh, the girl bobsledder. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. so, but the, he was. Uh, what was it? I'm gonna look at this thing when I had written down. It said it was a Lou Marsh Trophy. They call it the Lou Marsh Trophy. It's an award given to Canada's top athlete, and he right. won it in 2013. Yeah, yeah, at the end of last year's season, like the, my first year. And when he found out that he was won that award, they called him at work, but not at oh, the CFL work, but no. at the TD Bank where he yeah. works yeah. all year long. He's a banker. Yeah. 
He's yeah. a banker like me. Yeah, he's a financial advisor, I think. So uh, yeah. it's actually pretty funny because at the beginning of the year, you know, uh, we have all these meetings and stuff. And uh, they talk about how to save your money because, like I was saying, you know, CFL, you don't get paid like the NFL. So you can't, you know, you can't go out and party every day, you know, or you will be broke. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so they try to tell you all this, you know, save your money and, and uh, you know, work on getting a job after the CFL for, you know, your future. And uh, so... Uh, we had John Corner come up and speak about how to save money, and uh, he was telling everyone how to save save money. You know, come and then he said at the end, he said, "You know, if you guys want, my office is on this street down the road." <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, you bastard! All you want to he's you selling know, get a paycheck from this? Yeah. <laughs> gets all his new clients from the Calgary Sand Peters. Yeah, I hear. I thought you're just helping us because you're a buddy, and yeah. now now you're just trying to you're trying to sell me yeah. like a dirty old banker, right? Eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I was reading the article about him, and it was saying how the CFL, like the uh, it's more like the old-fashioned NFL, like in the and even in hockey, like the NHL, which we think in Canada is now like a lot of us can't imagine a hockey player having a having a job in the off season or anything like that. But back in the day, you'd work, uh, and uh, a lot of times it would be great because the farm you'd be a f- work on the farm, and then you'd be able to go play the hockey season. But a lot of those guys would have something all the time. Like uh, a couple of the famous hockey players were notorious for going back to the farm every year and oh, yeah. working, and they couldn't show up for camp because they were still harvesting and oh, stuff really? like that you know and but nowadays it's kind of almost like um like they get paid so well it doesn't it doesn't even seem real you know like they that they would say something like that but uh when i read this article about people that are still doing it and they had some they had a guy in the nfl too that's doing it currently where he's working at a shoe store in the off season where he's uh and he gets paid enough too and even john corner says he gets paid enough now he doesn't need to li- live off of it yeah. and cfl employee uh, employees get paid a good wage like to make a living yep but it's just not like if you took like a full career of like say if a guy normally works uh 30 years let's say yeah you know and the average lifespan for a, a football player is probably a lot shorter than that like mm-hmm. like and i think in the nfl too they say it's a couple years even yeah the career span is really short yeah and so they have to have those big salaries to justify you got to make in those two years what maybe you need to make over a longer period of time yeah. because you're gonna uh, you know you dedicate so much of your efforts to being really good at it you know yep. so uh, that's the argument there but uh, the reality is um, that they, they said that what an athlete usually does as it said in this article an athlete usually when they're done they make a lot of money and they would say to they would let's say they had in their head like the shoe store guy he said uh, I'd like to get in the shoe business. So then he would say to find a rich guy, and he'd say to that rich guy, um, hey, I want to get in the shoe business. You got money, you know, or you know about the shoe business. I got money. Like, here, you run the shoe business. Yeah. Here's $500,000 to start a shoe store or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And then, or the guy comes to him saying, I know you want to be in the shoe business. I got this great idea. Yeah. You have money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this business idea. And the guy who's usually pitching that idea couldn't get a money couldn't get money from a bank because it's a harebrained scheme or he's never done it before or yeah. like it's a startup kind of idea and he rooks the athlete into investing mm-hmm. and that athlete doesn't know enough about it because he's been trying to be a athlete the whole time that yeah. he hasn't been thinking about shoe stores mm-hmm. and uh so a lot of times they just have to go with blind faith to allow that guy to kind of spend their money yeah and with this what the uh this one fellow who works for the um it's patrick kearney i think um is an 11-year veteran of the NFL, and Kearney is now the league's vice president of player benefits. And he says he sees a problem with financial literacy amongst the players, and he, he looks to guys like John Cornish or this Matt Ellum, who, who's the shoe, the shoe store guy. Right. 
as examples of how to look at uh, life after sports differently. Yeah. And he said that uh, before, instead of now this shoe store guy, he said instead of like just handing a guy money and saying go off, instead in the off season, even if you're not making anything in the shoe, you go work at a shoe store and you get to learn the business and you get to learn how the whole thing works. And then when you're done, you if that guy comes to you saying you want to start a shoe store, you know what you're talking about. So if the guy's right. taking you down the wrong path or being a, being an idiot, you can get rid of him and get somebody that knows what he's doing, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And so they said he thinks it's better to have, like, um, knowledge equity with your time where you invest in kind of, like, like getting dirty and learn the things, you know? Yeah. Which, uh, for you, like, w- what do you do in the off season? Well, honestly, I don't do too much right now. I just, like, work out and train, and then once the farm work starts... Uh, you help out with you help out with my dad on the farm but i'm actually thinking about going into real estate i'm just looking to the courses and stuff now so uh, oh yeah yeah so think about doing that oh you'd be good at that you got a good personality so yeah. it'd be easy for you i think yeah so i got told by someone that half the battle is building a profile and you know i kind of already kind of have half of one so yeah yeah <laughs> i think you get a pretty good one yeah so i think a lot of guys would switch resumes with you you know what your problem is you got it so quick yeah i don't think like that's the thing that you are you worried about that now I never even thought about that actually, to be oh. honest with you. Like how that I've got everything too quick, so when I'm when it's all done. Like, are you afraid you're going to get less hungry because you've got success so quickly? Oh, like to win the Grey Cup in your second year? No, definitely not. You'd I, still want it just bad next year. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, you know it's it's a pride issue. Like for me, it's like when I go out there, I want to. I don't want to embarrass myself on TV. It's like I want to embarrass the other person on TV every single play. So that's the way I play every sport that I play. So yeah, yeah. that's how I go out all the time. Do you, now, have you ever been intimidated by you see a you see a player across the field from you and you you got like say Anthony Calvillo or someone that's been like a real, um, or you know just I don't know that's uh, that's different because your offense and so is yeah. he. But like, has, has there been a player where you're like, that guy's like uh, like legend like legendary and I'm on the same field as him? Well, or do you not? I never I don't intimidate the right word. Yes, maybe sometimes a little bit like there's this guy where like you know I've talked to a couple guys who play in the CFL longer than me and they're like oh. Like number ninety for Edmonton, his name is uh, Amando Sewell, yeah. and like he's this about six foot two. Um, his arms are about twice the size of mine, and I've heard he can like bench press like a truck, like six hundred pounds, can squat like almost a thousand, and like I see see this guy line up across from me because he plays defensive line. And like I was kind of scared at the beginning, yeah. but like, but then Partio wants to like Partio's like I want to show everyone that I yeah. can beat this guy up too at yeah, the same yeah. time. So like, it's a f- fight or flight situation at that point, and then you have to stay and fight. And usually I, I do okay. It's the thing is with a guy like that, his arms are short. So once I you know get my arms on him, I got the the length to to keep him off me. So it's oh, yeah, yeah, it does okay. Yeah, the thing is, if you've agreed to do it, like if you agreed to be a yeah. CFL football player, I don't want to just like assume a role as being like some guy that's going to be good someday. I'd rather be good right now, you know, because yeah, like exactly. you never know what the future's going to bring, right? Yeah, you can get hurt tomorrow. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. Is there guaranteed contracts for you guys? Or no, you're hurt your nothing own? is guaranteed in the no? CFL. No, it's not like the NFL where you know sign a contract for. 20 million and then 10 of it's guaranteed like we don't have that so if you're on the injured list like do you just not get paid you do get paid if you're on the injured list like if i were to play a game and get hurt they'd put me on well if it was say only bad enough where i'd have to miss one game they put me on the one game injured list and then i get paid my contract but i don't get paid my bonuses right you know what i mean there's like a bonus for starting so many snaps of the game and all that stuff oh right, right. so i get paid my con like my base salary but uh and then if I get hurt longer than that, they can put you on the six-game injury reserve list, so you're out for six weeks. Oh yeah, and stuff like that, and still pay. You. Now, do you have um, do you have a pension? 
Yep, put into a pension for half the season. And oh yeah, the team matches it. So oh, it's, yeah. so it's it's good. It's yeah, and uh, and they take good care of you. Like if you get hurt, you get good care. Yeah, oh yeah, great care. The team offers great care. Like you know, right off out of the the stadium, you walk into the dressing room, and then uh, you know, two steps outside the dressing room, it's all of our therapy rooms. We have a huge ice tub. You can fit like a dozen people in, and then we have a huge hot tub with the uh, treadmill in it. Oh yeah, and you know, get a whole bunch of guys in there, you know, fixing their their wounds and stuff after practice. A treadmill right in the hot tub? Yeah, it's for people like with like sore knees and stuff. If they're trying to do therapy, it's too much weight to run on a regular treadmill. Yeah. So they run in the the water treadmill and it's the water creates good resistance for the joints and stuff. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, so it's great for therapy. You think since the TSN deal in the CFL, because like I like you must talk to older guys that are in the CFL at that because I think before the big TV deal, like or TSN's a pretty decent deal, and they signed a bigger one again. Yeah. Um. That uh, I I just see that even the way they cover the game, it's like a lot more coverage. It's a lot more yeah. like big time. Like they've done a good job of pro- promoting the sport on yeah. TSN, I think. Right. So do you see that that there's like more of the a sense of professional? Like you've only seen it for two years now, but like do you hear from other guys how much better it's gotten? Yeah, from the veterans and stuff that you know have been in the league eight ten years, they said that you know CFL is probably in the best spot it's ever been. So I'm excited for that. You know, with that whole TV deal, I know all the players were a little bit upset. Because they thought we, well, we all thought we deserved to get paid more. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you look at it, I think if we would have, you know, ended up striking. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah. Year we ended up doing that strike. And uh, if we would end up doing that, that might have killed the league. And uh, Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's not like the NFL where, where there's billions of dollars in it, you know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah, you know what the thing about the CFL is, in my opinion, you tell me what you think, if you think I'm right or not. But I always look at, if you're in Calgary, which is a good market. And like Regina is the big best market, right? Like it's literally, I would say it's like close to an NFL team. How many people they get? And yeah. Like how many people support the Rough Riders? Right. And you look at what the the reason that I think that is, is because they don't have anything else in Regina. Like no. they just have this Rough I mean, Riders. I don't even know if they have a lacrosse team. I don't know. And but they but they have the Riders. And if they had anything else, they wouldn't care about it. They just care about the Riders. That's right. But they don't have anything else. And it's because the people in the they they're part of the community like it's not that big of a place mm-hmm. so because they're the only show in town and everything the cr- the town really like latches onto them and they become like like it's very community oriented like the players are even with john Cornish and stuff he works at the bank in town like people do have in the cfl you do have more of a relationship with your community than you would in 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 calgary or in edmonton or in uh even ottawa i, I think but you'd have a hard time in like um Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal, I think, being as much a part of the community. Like, yeah, would you I, say? I can kind of see where you're coming from. For number one, Toronto, they have their fan base is really hurting right now, so that's kind of tough. But for Montreal, is I think that because Hamilton's so close? Does that have something to do with it? Because I know. Well, that I think it's, I think it's, cause I think it's because there's you know you got the Raptors, you got the Leafs, you yeah. got no, you know, too you much got, competition. There's too much there. of everything. You know, you got everything down there. And yeah, it's like people say that when we live in Norfolk, right? Because we're like kind of on the end of the world, right? You don't mm-hmm. come here unless you're coming here on purpose you don't pass through norfolk yeah, right like you just right. you just kind of like uh you come here only if you're doing it on purpose so people say how can you live out there in the sticks you know like it's and i'm like well we're close to everything and they're like well like if they live in toronto for example they'll say well we got all, if i want to go see a show there's going to be shows right down the road if i want to go see sports there's all kinds there's lacrosse and there's football yeah. there's hockey there's there's baseball there's soccer right but they don't do any of it like that's yeah. the, for the most part because all the corporate people have the seats and it's a bunch of stuffed yeah. shirts and then 
and they look down at the CFL as being like the stepchild sport or whatever. Yeah. Because it because it, it's a it's not a, a, a cosmopolitan enough for the Toronto people. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Whereas you go to Regina, they think they're all in. Even uh, Vancouver, Vancouver had hard. They didn't even sell out the Great Cup last year. No, that's uh, I don't even know. Like I, they would have had a hard time selling out. I think if BC was in it, that's yeah. That's, and that's yeah. the thing. If you would have put, if you put the Great Cup every year in Regina, you'll oh. sell out every year, even if Regina's not anywhere close to it. You'd have right? you'd be sold out like five years in advance, probably. Yeah. Like when we play uh, Saskatchewan in Calgary, we almost need to use our silent count because it's so loud and we're on offense because there's it's like, half green. Yeah. You yeah. look up in the stands, it's half green, and it's just. I actually love playing Saskatchewan because you get when fans are loud, they get pumped up, right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah, yeah. You then know? you know you hit the bigs, right? Yeah. You know, that's when yeah. it's like you've you've done it when you get those hot crowds, right? Yeah. No, it's it's pretty. It's really insane. You know, running out of a tunnel and you have fireworks and you know 50,000 people. Uh, yeah. I've never seen anything like that at Waterford. You know, we got <laughs> pumpkin bowl. <Yeah. laughs> that must be incredible. Yeah. How did you do at the Western? Did was there? Um, did you make? Did you make it far in the well, like, Yates my, Cup or anything like that? I never won the Yates Cup. Um, when I was at Western, I didn't start my first year. I I was a backup. I dressed every game, but then uh, I also had some hip problems, and I also didn't really go to school that much. So, like, I had these hip surgeries, and, like, that kind of put me down and out, and I didn't really go to class that right. much as well. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I had to withdraw from school because I, I didn't I, – you needed, like, a 60 average or a 58 average or something, and I was, like, a couple percent below that. And so, with between the hip surgeries and that, I took had to take two years off. So I was rehabbing my hips, and I was, uh, you know, getting my credits back and to get back into school. And I didn't get back into my fourth year of eligibility. So like, I played my well, I didn't even play my first year, and then I skipped two years, came back in my fourth, and then I ended up starting at left tackle at for Western. I only played nine games oh, really? in my whole college career, and then lucky, luckily. Uh, you know, Huff Nagel was smart enough to draft me. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he said when he drafted me, he said I was a project. He said he didn't play much college, and uh, you know, I was six foot seven, three hundred and seventy pounds at the time. He said we're gonna try to mold him into a player. So, and you went in there with the willingness to learn. Yeah, and, uh, that's the biggest part of it, eh? Like, that is the biggest part of it. Like my first year, my first year camp, it was brutal. Like I didn't, I thought I knew how to play football, but you had no clue. Like yeah. I got to camp, and like they're, it's like they were speaking Chinese almost. It's like I don't understand what you're talking about, but. After you know a whole year of doing that, and then come back this year, it was much easier. And well, you were you were saying that your roommate, your your roommate uh, from the past two years, right? You started yep, together. Yeah. Uh, what's his name again? Sorry, Brett Jones. Brett Jones. Yeah. And that uh, he's a really talented player. Just got an yeah. opportunity down in the NFL. Is yep. that right? Just recently signed with the New York Giants. Yeah. Oh, he, he signed with them. Signed with them. Yeah. Oh, he's, wow. Uh, he's he had a lot of uh, interest in the NFL after the, our uh, our season. He. Uh, I don't know how many teams he exactly worked out with, but he worked out with, I would say, upwards of 10, maybe 12 teams. And uh, we knew the Giants were um, really interested in because Huffenagel used to be the offensive coordinator for New York Giants. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, from 06 to 08, maybe. So, like, he, him and Tom Coughlin, the head coach from the Giants, are pretty good friends. So, he was telling them about Brett, you know. So, yeah, I yeah. had an idea. So, when you're, you're playing, when you get to be roommates with a guy of that caliber, like, he's a, you're really fortunate because you can pick his brain a lot, right? Imagine. Oh, definitely. If it wasn't for Brett, I don't think I'd be like well, and the coaching staff, of course. But I don't think I would be the football player that I would be right now without without Brett. Really, like he came in and he started his first year and got rookie of the year, and he's the first offensive lineman ever to do that in the CFL. You know, that's 102 years, so yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And he got, you know, he came in and he was getting calls because he was our center, and center makes all the calls in the CFL. Yeah, like you know when the defensive 
front moves. He, you know, he'll make a different call. And uh, he was making, you know, calls that veteran, like, fourth-year centers were making in his, like, first or second week of training camp. Oh, he just has that he kind of has the, the football mind, eh? Yeah, and he's, you know. He's, Probably a future in coaching or something, too. Oh, maybe, he could eh? go. Oh, yeah. yeah. He could coach for sure. Yeah, that's the thing. He's eh? just like, smart. And physically, too, he's got the gifts that way, too. Yeah, you know, people always say he's a little bit undersized for the NFL because everyone... The NFL always is about measurables. If you're not six foot six and have, you know, your wingspan eight, seven feet long or yeah. seven foot wide, you're not good enough for the NFL. Like, and I don't run, think, running a quick 40 and yeah, stuff like, like that. Yeah. That stuff really isn't true. Like, you know, I think Brent, Brent will do an excellent job in the CF or the NFL. He, you know, he, he's about six two and he'll get leverage on people. He'll get underneath them and just lift people up. Like, his strength is... He's the only guy that I've ever had like a wrestling match with who I can't physically. Is that right? Ed? Yeah, he's, he's yeah, because you are physically ever... bigger than him, like quite a bit bigger than him. Yeah, like, I'm about taller, right? Four inches taller and about uh, fifteen pounds heavier. Right. So he's a he's a he's a rock, right? He's only six two. He's, he's like, like twenty five. Eh? Just a little, yeah. a little bit closer to the ground. <laughs> yeah, harder to get up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, it, so it's great to have that. You get kind of luck out, like your situation. Like if you would have got drafted to a different team. And that uh, you were paired up with a guy who you didn't mesh with, uh, like yeah. uh, personality-wise, or maybe that was uh, didn't know anything. You know, mm-hmm. it was also a project, and and you would have a heart. You would have uh, your your journey to know what you know now would could have been a lot longer. You yeah. know what I mean? No, exactly. I got. I was in the right place at the right time. That's for sure. Yeah, and then you get on the best offensive line in the CFL. Yeah. So you got all the the whole line itself is all like guys, yeah. that, and you're part of it as well. But I mean, you can le- you're learning every time you look beside you. You can see something that someone did where you can uh, improve, right? Oh, definitely. You know, uh, I don't even know what John Cornish's average was, but when your running backs averaging, you know, eight nine yards a carry, it's you know, it's your running back plus your offensive line. Like we had, we did a great job this year as a whole, as yeah. a unit doing, yeah. you know, doing what we do. So. Yeah, yeah, that's got to make you happy, eh? No, it definitely does. It's uh, it's great when people say it's like you know, you weren't even on, you know, you only weren't on a, starting on the offensive line. You were on the best offensive line. Yeah, yeah. In the CFL, so it was kind of you know that kind of hits you. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a real feather in your cap. It gives yeah. you that confidence, and then you're only going to improve with that confidence, right? Because yeah. now all of a sudden there's some new guy starting. And facing up against you, and they're like, "Holy crap! I'm against Bergman." Yeah, right. <laughs> I hope so. I hope that's the case one day. Yeah, I think it probably will be. You know, quicker yeah. than you think, right? Well, there's yeah. a guy that you got the better of every time that definitely remembers you. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I would think so. Yeah, <laughs> that scared feeling you're talking about. There's probably guys lining up when they see you, and they're like, oh, "Yeah, fuck. They're like I'm not getting tonight off. You yeah. know, I'm gonna have to <laughs> yeah. actually work for it tonight." Yeah. You know? No, exactly. Monty Sonnenberg wrote a real nice uh, article about you in the uh, Simcoe Reformer. Yep. And it says in the article that when you were at Waterford High School already, you had a you set your heart on a career in professional football. Yeah, I did. So I'm just wondering. You said when you were at Western, there was two years when you didn't play it, right? And you right. were rehabbing it. When you during that time, where did that dream ever? Did you feel like it wasn't going to happen, or did yeah, it like, you must have been pretty driven, I think, to get back to come back that fourth year, like you know, balls out. There was definitely times where, like, I went to my dad and was just like, you know. I don't think this is possible, you know, with my grades and my hips. My hips. There was a lot of coaches that told me my, like, my hips weren't good enough to ever play, like, even college football. And so that kind of got me down and, like, you know, that I was out of school and that I've had these hip surgeries. There was lots of times where I was just down on myself and I was like, there's no way I'm, there's no point in me ever doing this. I might as well just quit and go to college and do something that I want to do more hands-on, like, in the farming or into the trade system or anything. And there'd be times where my dad and I would be fighting with each other, like 
not fist fighting, but, you know, just yeah. yelling back and forth. And I've been and, there. <laughs> yeah. And he says, you know, you're going to thank me one day. And, you know, that day's finally came. I'm thanking him that he, you know, he let me do the football route. Because, you know, when he was a kid, he when he worked on the tobacco farm, he worked. You know, he got done school and he went to work. He missed school to go to work. Yeah. Like, yeah. he he's just like, Shane, you know, I did this when I was a kid, but you're going to play football. Yeah. And he's like, and he, he let me play football. And, so, you know, I, I worked on the tobacco farm support. quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. He was definitely the main reason why I could do this because, you know, I played when he was working, he was doing, and I should have been helping him. I was out playing football. Yeah. So, yeah, he let me do it. Yeah, that's pretty good. I remember I, I played football at not, it's just a different time. Like, I played football one year. I tried out. I went, like, they tried to get me to play high school football. And uh, probably just because I grew, I did my growing early, I guess. Yeah. And then, uh, so I went. I went out and we did one practice, and then uh, the harvest help had. We were short harvest help, so oh, yeah. I had to go back and work finish harvest. So yeah. you couldn't play football because that was the same type of time of year. Yep. So that's just how it happened. When you, you had, if we had to get the crop in before the frost, you know, there's not much you can do. You know, it no, took exactly. priority, but. So it is a kind of a gift when a tobacco farmer tells his son, like, don't worry, we got harvest. Oh, yeah. You just, you yeah. do what you have to do. No. You, you gotta, you gotta. It's nice to have that kind of faith in you, even from from your folks, right? Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, well, now, ever since I went to this camp when I was about 13, uh, and these, there was these, uh, I don't know what their title were, but they were, they ran some, uh, uh, training, uh, facility down in Ohio. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they put people through to the NFL all the time coming out of college and they trained them for the NFL combine. And so they kind of ran a little combine for the Canadians in Southern Ontario and Hamilton. And we ran the whole thing and they came to my dad and they said, no one in this building has it except for your son. And so like, ever since that, my dad was oh, like, yeah. you're playing football. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. when you hear it from one of those guys who, you know, put people in the NFL every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it really. So yeah. have you been following what's going on in Port Dover with the Port Dover Steelheads? I did a little bit. I actually went to uh, a Steelhead uh, banquet in. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah, in January. They uh, had me up for a guest speaker. So I went there and talked to the kids. Oh, That's great. a great or- organization. Eh? I'm so happy it's to be great. that. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I got a former guest of uh, Live from the Dutch Hall, the, the uh one of the guests on uh, T-shirt club, Barry Wilson, he's a big part of that uh, organization, eh? Oh, really? Barney's daughter. And, Bar- and, my, and also, uh, Jamie Barham, who's a super fan of the show and been on a few times, his daughter plays in that league, too, oh, and yeah. she's a beast. Yeah. Like, apparently, she runs She's runs through people. She's a she's oh, a yeah. physical specimen out there, isn't she? She's the only girl, too. Only girl. Oh, she's really? the only girl playing? Yeah. And, and she's oh, doing real great. well. She's like yeah. a she's a real she's a real talent out there, right? Yeah. But it's great because uh, before, like you said, you'd, you'd have to go to Branford or you'd have to yeah, go Branford. like a, which a half hour or forty five minute drive to yep. to play organized football. So it was nice to see this just regular people stepping up and doing it because unfortunately uh, that's what it takes anymore in a community is that you can't rely on like the municipal government or anyone yeah. to do that stuff. You got to just uh, it's got to be regular people to just figure out a way to get it done, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's a great thing. I, I wish I had that when I was when I was growing up. You know, I know it would've been awesome, right? Yeah, they started tight now there, so, which is like five years old. Like yeah. they start playing football, like now, full like, equipment, like full full equipment. They you know teach kids safe football, tackling, oh, and everything. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really a great league, and so it's good to see that stuff happening because yeah. I mean that sort of stuff only just keep is going to keep making more. You guys like 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 definitely because if you had that same opportunity, you could have been. Yeah, that much of a head start on the whole thing, oh, you know? If I'd been playing football, like, since I was five years old, who knows where I would have been when I got to high school, right? Cause, yeah. Like, I was learning in high, like, grade nine. That was my learning year. I, never, I had no idea. My first play, I went up to my coach. I said, they didn't line up, didn't line anyone up in front of me. I don't know who to hit. Yeah. It's just like, well, hit someone. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the thing about it. You played football, eh, Paul, didn't you? Yeah. 
But the, so that was defense? Yeah. Like a linebacker? Yeah. That's our bartender, Paul Van Dyke. For those of you who can't hear him on camera, he was a linebacker. My brother, he didn't care about harvest. It was only me that had to stay home <laughs> and do harvest. <laughs> Paul could get the kill in and still make practice, right, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> you just weren't. You just weren't hard, play hard. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I wanted to tell you, you said you're engaged, is that right? Yeah, I am, yep. So when, there was a picture online. I saw a real nice picture when you won the Great Cup, and mm -hmm. there was a picture of you kissing a girl in the crowd. Was that her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't, that wasn't very the, convincing. I wasn't kissing her in the crowd at the Great Cup. There oh. was a picture of me on my Facebook kissing her in the crowd at the Hamilton game. Oh, at the Hamilton yeah, game. Yeah, oh. I was at the Hamilton game. But uh, oh yeah, the picture in the newspaper was her like it was like a selfie of us. Oh yeah, no, this was the one where you she was in the crowd. So that yeah. was her though, right? That was her. That was after the Hamilton game at, at McMaster actually. Oh okay. Yeah. I was hoping it might be a juicier story, and <laughs> yeah, you, you were like just you know make it big, and all of a sudden you're just a real real. Uh, uh, Jerk. Woman hand, yeah. <laughs> ladies, man. I don't know. Like, but well, you're you're like a you're like a, a romantic. Is that right? Like, I guess maybe a little. How Sometimes long have you known your your fiance? I've been together for almost ten years now. Really, high school sweetheart? Yeah, since grade nine. Yeah. Ah, you old softy. Yeah. That's yeah. what you are. That's right. You're the same as me. Yeah. Tobacco right. farmer and my married my high school sweetheart too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's we've great. been together since we've been sixteen, and yeah. now we're, yeah, we're uh, fifteen. Uh, really, fifteen? Fifteen years old. Ah, yeah. I just like you so much more. I didn't know yeah. guys like us existed. Yeah. And now, okay, so this is great because you go. No, you know, uh, when you're the star lineman of the Waterford Wolves, you know, you get a little bit of pull in high school, but very little bit. That's yeah. probably how you got her in the first place, right? Yep, she was a cheerleader, so it, oh, yeah? uh, it all worked oh, yeah. out. So your talent yeah. worked for you then, right? Because no offense, but I'm saying she's probably a little out of your league, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, The thing is with the offensive lineman, when you're in high school, you're like, you know, six foot seven, you know, 300 pounds, 295, and you know. Once I got to the 350s, 360, she just stuck her stuck around, you know. Yeah. It was you're like, you're going for the whole ride, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like me. Leave. Yeah. yeah. And that's what she went into. Uh, what what did you say she does? Uh, she's the yeah. She wants to be a dietitian. Yeah. <laughs> you were the motivation for that, yeah, right? I must have been. Yeah. Hey, the baconator could maybe get a, a few less frosties yeah. in it. Might, might help, exactly. you know? But <laughs> no, but uh, sorry, I'm just. But they. Uh, so, anyways, my point is, then you get a little bit of fame in high school. Just that, you know, like you're a water for wolf. You marry, you get, you get a chance with a cheerleader at least to get, give you a second look, right? Right. If you didn't, if if you weren't in that circle, if you weren't showing the fact that you're a real alpha dog, you know, yep. like kicking ass on the line, maybe she wouldn't notice you as much, yeah. but she knows you're playing football. And then you go to Western. You know, you're in university setting. Mm -hmm. Did she go to Western? With she you? did. She went to Brescia. Oh. Yeah, which is affiliate school of Western. So, so they, that's yeah. where me and my wife decided to break uh, to to live our own lives. Eh? Oh, we yeah. tried to do something different. My yeah. dad gave me advice to do it, and so I did it. But um, so you were she kept an eye on you for that. Well, yeah, but she was living with her own roommates and stuff. Like she she lived with her four roommates, four girls, and I lived with my guys. So we had lives, our own lives too. But and you liked her the whole time too. I right? liked her the whole time because it was like you know it was she was only five minutes down the road, but she would never come hang like. If I didn't want to see her, she wouldn't come and, you know, bug me. So, But if I wanted to see her, well, she was right there. So it was actually really great. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> you don't hear a lot of people saying stuff like this. Eh? It's no. just like a nice story. There's yeah. no juice to it. It's pretty no. neat. Yeah. So, but then you go away, like, because, like, you got to see, like, uh, other guys on your team, most likely, that... Uh, you know, if they gain even a little notoriety in the CFL, because it's, uh, you know, you're, you're like, the, we won the Great Cup for heaven's sakes. You're a pride of the city, right? right. So a booming town like Calgary, mm -hmm. and you're the pride of the city, like you and your teammates are the pride of the city. Sorry about that. My mic was a little off. 
So you're the pride of the city, and then you then um, uh, the you know you go out to a bar, you're partying with a bunch of big, huge football guys, athletes, and and uh, and that you're carrying on. You're kind of the spectacle of that bar, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. You go around, there's a few yeah. eyes pointed your way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, a lot of whispers. Hey. Yeah. So there's a couple of like girls that are maybe out there to have a good time. They're like uh, one of these swipe left, swipe right type of like <laughs> like you know like fast girls, fast girls, Shane. Like not the type of girls me and you end up with. You know, <laughs> right, like right. the dirty girls. You know right. them. Yep. Well, they're distractions for good guys like us, right? They're good. They're they're they're, uh, they're trouble with a capital T. They, yeah. they can make you lose a good girl like that if you do something stupid. If yeah. you all of a sudden get blindsided by the whole thing, exactly. So, do you find it difficult? Do you ever have like those like you're on the road and and, and like uh, and you see some lonely Regina native? <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, no, not really. When you're on the road, it's just like you know, you go. Uh, you go out and you go to eat and you go home to the to the hotel and you go to bed because you have a game to play and uh, the only time where it's it gets kind of hard I'm not gonna lie is in training camp because training camp is you're just you know your two practices a day you're showering with with man every you know twice a day and then you know sometimes you you see a girl and you're like oh, I haven't seen I haven't a seen woman. a woman in yeah. like three weeks <laughs> it's just like but uh, you know and then Bree usually comes out after those three you're weeks, like so the PSIs are getting up high yeah. Yeah. you need to come to Calgary stat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just do something so I don't kill someone yeah. or do something stupid yeah. Yeah. I hear you man we yeah. have to yeah, it would be nicer when you're married too because you just have to keep that line if, as long as she understands it hey, you just have to work it out a little bit every once in a while there's something like uh, women will understand that they just need to get the poison out, you know? They just have to sit there and say, he's going to be a real dick unless I do something about this. Yeah. And if you can work it out right where you can actually swing it, you know, where you can kind of get a code where you're like, you know, I don't want to be a dick about it, but I could really use a little help here. <laughs> yeah. right? Just a handy. Just anyway. Whatever you give me. If you just let me rub against you when you sleep, that's okay. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll towel you off. I don't care. Just let me, just let me get this out of me. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. <laughs> that's pretty much what you're saying right so anyways um so you got to the point that so now you're in the cfl and you've kind of settled in right like yep. how long how long you signed with the Stampeders peters for well, i'm signed for another two years but right now i'm trying to get uh an extension for three more years oh yeah um, yeah get you, a little you, more money you like it there i love it there i do it's i think it's one of the best cities in canada it's uh you know the well, sun's always shining Oh yeah, you can go and be in a city type place, you know, downtown Calgary, and then you can you know drive an hour and be on top of a mountain. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool that way. Yeah, it's sweet. And on, now with the oil boom, is that has that made uh, like it's super expensive to live yeah, in? Yeah, it's it's downtown Toronto expensive. It's like yeah, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, like we had a uh, me and my roommate. We had I don't know how many square feet. It might have been nine hundred square feet, and uh, two bedrooms. We had two bath, um, and just a little kitchen, yeah. like me and my roommate were huge guys and like both of us can't fit in our kitchen and like we can barely fit in our living room together like yeah <laughs> and uh it was 2300 bucks a month for the whole thing wow. oh really? so yeah and it's it's a lot of money out there yeah, yeah so i'm hoping now that the oil has gone down that uh it'll be a little cheaper when i go there next year yeah you know what mm-hmm. hey, it's like uh uh everyone's like brags about the boom and all that stuff but even the guys that are working in the boom can't afford to live in the boom because it's no. so expensive and then all the benefit of them making that extra money is gone so yeah I don't understand. I think that that's what I think. This oil boom. I know when the people uh, there's going to be a lot of people from Alberta probably listening to this because because you got huge fans out there. Yeah, you're, you're the Grey Cup champion, right? So, anyways, but uh, I know they don't get a lot of sympathy from the rest of Canada with the oil bust because right. 
the rest of us aren't doing that good. Like no. Ontario's not doing that shit hot, and neither no. is Quebec or, or BC. But where you have oil, you did well for a while, and everyone said Canada's doing great because we have these oil regions doing well. But the rest of the country's got to go like work out in that oil region and send the money home to their kids here in yeah. southern Ontario or in uh, the Maritimes or or yeah. wherever they got to like Newfoundland wherever they got to go to work, you know. Mm-hmm. And um I I just didn't think I just think that putting all our eggs in that basket is not the best, you know. Maybe getting a little balance across the country is not too bad, you know. Yeah. And make it affordable for people to live again, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. The booms are never good. Eh? Nothing's ever good in a boom. It's always it's always better if it grows naturally and ever responsibly. Anything something goes up too fast, it comes down just as quick, you yep. know, no, and then exactly it screws right. all the people, right? So, mm-hmm. anyways, that's my like political soapbox. I'll get <laughs> off of it. But Shane, but Shane, anyways, uh, to have the story, like to to have, you know, you're a guy from Norfolk, so when you go over there and I see your perspective on the CFL, I can get it. You know, I understand you, a tobacco farmer, married his high school sweetheart. Like a real gentleman, just like me, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> so you don't use dirty words and stuff. You're even better than me, right? Um, but I don't know. But anyway, oh, she's getting my phone. I'm sorry. My beautiful <laughs> wife came in here. No, you could take it off here. I'm just going to unplug it. There you go. So sorry about that. But uh, you're in, uh, so you're, but you play with people from all over the world, like all over the North, North America, America, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you'll have a lot of Americans play on your team, right? Oh, yeah. Tons of Americans. And when the Americans play um, football when they're growing up, uh, and I wouldn't imagine it's an aspiration of theirs to play for the CFL, right? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. It's probably more of a more of a disappointment when they first get there. Like what they say, like it's not it's not their first choice. Well, right? yeah, it's definitely not their first choice, but you know, it's still uh, they're still playing football. Right, right. I've had guys say that to me. You know, we're not in the NFL, but at least I still get to play a sport and you know make some money. And doing make that, a living. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And so, like, and then once they figure out how they're treated there and how the league's got, it's still pretty, you know, rep, it's a reputable league. Like, when you go there, they treat you well. Like, you oh, feel like a really professional good. athlete when yeah, you're there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it's great up there. You know, they, you know, I never do laundry. All the, my women's always clean. You know, I looked at a picture the other day from my high school when we won the Holland Norfolk Bowl. I looked at my jersey and it was just mud and oh, yeah. disgusting i'm like oh why would you why would i wear that and because like now it's just like there's not one speck of mud or blood or anything on these jerseys because they wash them so good every single game do you get to keep uh some of your jerseys or do you have to buy them or? they make you buy them i think some uh teams are uh are a little different that way like i talked to my buddy who plays on bc and he gets his we have to buy ours but uh like I was talking to him, I talked to my buddies, but we get treated differently, like by our equipment equipment staff, like you know during the season than they do. So like we get benefits from them, you know, during the season. Right, right. So, Every organization yeah, will have their own little perks and yeah, stuff like exactly. that, and their own rules they make. Yeah. So that's why when you go work for play for a different one, you like some things and not like some things yeah, probably that are exactly. different. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but you you would probably rather like as as long as you can make it happen because you're happy where you are, you'd like to make that work eh, for Calgary, right? Yeah, I love it in Calgary. I'd love to stay there. I, if I could play my whole career out there, that'd be unreal. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of country music. A lot Calgary? of country music. Yeah, we went up. Me and my roommate and uh, our girlfriends came down for the for a couple weeks, and we went up to the Big Valley Jamboree up uh, um, just uh, east of Edmonton. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we watched Zach Brown Band and Darius Rucker out there. And, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, we're, yeah, it was kind of like the Boots and Hearts. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the exact same thing, you know, just a huge party for a whole hey, week. Have you ever been to Big Texas in no. uh, Niagara Falls? No. Well, I'll tell you right now, uh, if you ever want, if you're ever in Niagara Falls, go go to Big Texas. Oh, we, yeah? I'm not even a country music fan. In fact, um, 
Well, I like old country. Like I like uh, like old fa- like old country and western. When they used to call it country and western, and then the pop country of today, I don't like it as much. Right. I did. I just think it's pop music, and I don't like. I like. I like, but I still like new country. That's more alternative country. But like Zach Brown, I like. Yeah. You know, he's uh, he's he's kind of walks the line, like straddles the line. Yeah, yeah, he's edgy. Yeah, like I like what he does. But then, uh, but my point is, uh, where the f- heck was I going with this one? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, big big Texas, right? And and yeah. uh, Niagara Falls. We went there for a stag, and uh, they're at the strip clubs. You know, like normal. You're in the strippers in Niagara Falls, and I didn't like it. Right? I'm a married man. You know, I was just talking about me and your romantics, right? My wife's right over there. She's a beautiful woman. I, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. So what I said was, someone said, "Hey, would you like to go to a Cougar Bar?" Which we love going to Cougar Bars. Because it's always fun to talk to the cougars because they always up for a good time, you know? You don't have to feel like you're... You go talk to a pretty young girl in her 20s when you're an old, gross guy like me. <laughs> right. You, you, you make them... You feel creepy, right? And they yeah. think you're all of a sudden up to something no good. They don't trust you. And, it's, and even if you're just trying to make conversation, they treat you like you're a creeper, right? Yeah. So uh, we went to the cougar... But cougars don't care because they're just happy to talk to anybody, right? They just want right. a little attention. So we like going to the cougar bar. Me and my cousins... But we went to this cougar bar. It was dead. I saw a table as soon as I walked in. I was like, "Oh, that table over there. They're gonna be, they're gonna be just fine." Like I said, <laughs> I can have a good night with that table over there. They look like they're up for a good time. Just, just shooting the shit and dancing and stuff. That's all I was hoping to do. Yeah. But anyways, my cousin said, "No good. Bad vibes. We don't see anything fun happening here. Let's go to try out Big Texas." And I said, "Oh, what the hell? You know, go to a country bar." It was fantastic. The Van Dykes owned the dance floor in that place. And every we there must have been four bachelorette parties in there. I danced with at least four brides. And, yeah. The one girl I couldn't even get my arms around her. <laughs> just a full figure gal. She was but she was having a great time. And you just kept blowing a little sunshine up these girls, tell them how lucky their husband's gonna be and all that stuff. Tell them all the things they want to hear and dancing the uh, live country music. It was a live yeah. band and everything. It was the best fun ever. I was like if I I may not be a country music fan, but if that if I did that every week, I'm the biggest country music fan yeah. in the world. That's yeah. so much fun, man. <laughs> I know how to do it. Yeah, yeah you got to go big Texas country yeah. music. People know how to have a good time like yeah. that. And they weren't the women weren't dicks. Like they weren't treating me like shit or nothing. Or my cousins. Yeah, they were looking to have a good time. They were like the two step dance and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, and it's fun, man. You yeah. can't beat that stuff. You were like going to Guelph, I, I think. Yeah, Guelph would have been fun. I think there was a lot of country. Yeah, there was a lot of those guys because the agricultural uh, school there, right? Yeah. That's where my old alma mater is. Well, the other thing about Calgary, we got the Stampede every year, too. So we got that huge, you know, that's just, if you like country, that's where you must get insane in that city for that, eh? Yeah, it's insane. We're always scheduled to play out of town. It kind of. It kind of uh, sucks. Really? Be, they do that to you? Well, at least, yeah. They don't I think want they to make it. and stuff. Uh, town, they want to so, get you out of the mess, yeah, right? they do. But it's crazy, like, because uh, you can pay to, like, park at the stadium parking lot. And during that week, it's just full of RVs, like, for two weeks straight, just camping out there. And it's right by the C-Train. C-Train takes you right downtown. Oh, yeah. And just it's just a two-week party. It's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds well, cool. that's awesome. Do you well, have a cowboy hat? I don't know. I can't find one to fit my head. Oh, yeah, I have the yeah. same problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, when we had to, I don't know if I've ever told this story on here before. I'm going to tell it anyways. I've, I grew up in Waterford, too, even yeah. though I went to school in Brantford to a Catholic school there, St. John's. They didn't have Trinity at that time, so they sent me away to Catholic school in Brantford. But I knew a guy in Waterford. He was uh, When I grew up, it was the days of hair metal and, uh, like, um, like that emo rock, like the Smiths and... And, yeah. uh, and grunge. Well, well uh, grunge, grunge was at the yeah, end. Yeah, it came at the end, yeah. Anyway.
All right, so I almost said the guy's name, so we cut it out. But there was a guy from Waterford. You know, when we used to have this, the, we used to, the, you know, we were into metal and stuff. And this guy, I know for a fact, the day I saw him before he entered university, he wore a shirt, like an like a ACDC uh, concert shirt or like Iron Maiden with a three-quarter white sleeves or something. That's what he was going to be wearing. And he goes to the University of Guelph where I go, and I see him out there, a local guy from Waterford, and he's wearing a cowboy hat and a big belt buckle and yeah, shit kickers shit. and the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like... Uh, I can't see the guy's name, but I'm like, dude, you, um, I know you have a greenhouse operation. You know, you know, you're, you're, you grew up in Waterford. You're a horticulture guy. You don't have any livestock anywhere close to you. You don't own a pair of goddamn cowboy boots or a cowboy hat. <laughs> and why are you, why are you dressed up like this now? Like you, 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 I know you're a country guy, but you don't have to, you know, dress up like you, you can still be a country guy without wearing a, oh, yeah. wearing the costume. You know yeah. what I mean? And that being said, I did own a pair of cowboy boots, and a bu- and I loved belt buckles at the time. <laughs> and uh, but we had horses in, in uh, our defense, right? We did at least we at least That's had right. some livestock. If you call it horses, I would rather we ate the horses than rode them around. <laughs> they are delicious. <laughs> a good Dutchman knows how a horse is delicious. It's a good <laughs> source of protein. Yeah, it is. Yeah, have you had it? I did. Yeah, my opa gives it to me all the time. Yeah, we yeah. you should get it at the Norwich Bakery. You yeah. get a horse I got yeah. there. It's salty, eh? Yeah, it's good though. Yeah, it's good. It's kind of like prosciutto. Good, I had some good raw horse in Japan. Raw horse? Yeah, horse sashimi. Yeah. Well, can you have that on your soy rent? sauce? I, I probably yeah. yeah. You know what? If Make someone brings me raw horse during Lent, I will eat it. All right, there you go, everyone. It's a it's an issue challenge to the listeners alive in the Dutch Hall. Whoever it's be can fresh though, get charters. Very fresh. <laughs> you want to kill can, a horse? If I can see you cut it off the horse, <laughs> that would be ideal. Anyone that can bring a horse into life in the Dutch Hall for an episode, so we can give Dave some protein. Please bring your horse you don't like in, and we'll cut him, <laughs> cut him apart and eat him. <laughs> we get in trouble saying that for the Calvary. Oh, you didn't so. say it, but I did. But yeah, no, I don't think so. But if you said That's it, not. you want to eat a horse? <laughs> Would you come over to eat a horse with me? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, guys? Uh, we just have to do feedback. We got feedback because uh, yeah. I have to thank one guy on the show. So uh, let's just move it on to the segment on this show that we like to call feedback. We, we- got feedback. <laughs> Welcome to Feedback. We got feedback, everyone. We've already gone long on the show. We're already an hour and ten into the show. And me. Yeah. Went, went quick, eh? It was oh, easy. You were worried we'd fill an hour, Shane. Yeah, we're, we're, no problem, right? No problem at all. So, That's uh, Grey Cup champion, Shane Bergman. Yeah, sorry. Grey Cup champion, <laughs> Shane Bergman. And uh, <laughs> I forgot. When I won those awards that you see up there, Shane, those are President's Club Awards. I don't know if you see them. <laughs> but those are President's Club Awards. Those I won them at... Uh, what are this, those, uh, Crystal Prisms? Oh, you know what? <laughs> those? those are Crystal Prisms. They're Crystal Prisms indeed. And I won those working at... Uh, as a picture. A, I'll tweet it out. As a banker. No, no. I was talking about... Maybe we get a theme song on here, but... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do banker story people. This is a real short one. But I brought these guys in. It's time for another banker story with Pete. Bum, 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 bum. Okay, that's it. I didn't couldn't get the thing loaded. But those two trophies that you see up there, gold uh, prisms, or they're beautiful prisms up there. They're Presidents Club. I won it back to back two years in a row. It was one of the top lenders <laughs> in in Canada. In Canada, they only gave it to fourteen people in the whole country. And I won it two years back-to-back at a Norfolk County, did all the business out of Norfolk County, which they said could never be done because they said we weren't a real agricultural area, that only the dairy farmers and the quota guys could ever win those awards. And I said, bullshit to that. I'm going to go show you that Norfolk County is one of the greatest agricultural regions in the entire world and definitely in this country. And I won two of those back-to-back through hard work and dedication and a great 
customers that I had. And what I did when I came in with my first one is I put it in front of me at the next meeting I went to, I put it in front of me as my name tag, the, oh, there you go. the, the trophy. <laughs> and then I said uh, that everyone had to refer to me as President's Club Award winner, Pete Van Dyke. Right? <laughs> That's what I wanted to be referred to in the meeting. And then the next year when I won the second one, I came in and I wanted to wear them as uh, earrings. I was going to just get or, <laughs> so that I always could just have them and people would always have to refer to me as two-time President's Club Award winner, <laughs> two-time <laughs> Pete Van Dyke. That's awesome. I went for the three-peat and I failed miserably and never won it since then. But I think my, my uh, confidence turned into sort of a, la- a false sense of uh, security and I, didn't, right. I-, I lost my hunger. Yeah. Shane, that's why I was yeah. worried about you. You won the Great Cup so quickly. Right. I was worried oh, about I you see. falling in the same trap that I did. Oh, I see where you got the question from now. Yeah. So, yeah. so, <laughs> <laughs> so let it be a lesson to you, Shane. If you, yeah. you can reach the mountaintop, but you got to stay hungry or you're just going to have to li- talk about these trophies in retrospect. You know? <laughs> do you get a ring? I do sometime. I'm not exactly sure when. I think uh, I get it when I go back to Calgary. So. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. That'll be great, eh? Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that one's really going to be around for, like, your entire life. No one can ever take that from yeah. you, right? No, that's mine. Yeah. yeah. Your grandkids will be looking yeah. at that. That's right. That's awesome. So feedback, we got feedback. This week, we like to rec- uh, recognize our listener of the week, which we got away from and we're back to. And this week's listener of the week will be announced by Shane Bergman because he's uh, he's your friend that actually booked you on the show. Yep. Listener of the week is uh, Adam Howard. Uh, we're at a... Adam Howard, sorry, yes. Adam Howard, you are our listener of the week. Sorry, how did Adam? Uh, and Adam just is a listener. Of my he's yeah, a- he listens to you guys, and uh, we uh, were at. Well, it was my birthday party? We threw a birthday party of mine uh, on Saturday. Hey, your birthday was last week, right? February ninth. Ninth, yeah, Monday. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so we were just around the the, the table and uh, drinking a few few beers and. Uh, he just popped up. He said, "Hey, I listened to this uh, this podcast. His name's Pete Van Dyke, and uh, you should go on." I'm like, "Oh, I'd love to do one of those." And uh, that night, he tweeted you out, and a couple hours later, we had stuff rolling already. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. I figured, yeah, yeah. I get it while the iron's hot before you actually listen to too many of the episodes, and you can't change your mind. That's what I thought. I got to yeah. get him before he can say no. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I think, anyways, it's been a great pleasure to have you. So that's why you're the listener of the week, and. Uh, we also uh, would like to thank, we already thanked our sponsors, so the only thing for feedback, we got feedback. I wanted to do one thing where I wanted to thank, uh, we have one listener is our primary shareholder, uh, the very, our, it's not our largest shareholder anymore because we have had a bigger donor, but he was our original shareholder alive from the Dutch Hall. The only guy that donated money, donated 20 bucks back on the PayPal. If you go to my website, you can donate on PayPal. He donated 20 bucks, so he became the original shareholder alive from the Dutch Hall, Jeff Kemp. And a few weeks back, he gave me a call on the phone. And he had, we had a nice long conversation, reconnected after years of not uh, spe- like not really keeping in touch. But because of the show, he called me up and we had a great talk. And what he told me was, I, I don't mind you mentioning me so much as a shareholder who gave 20 bucks. But uh, I would hope that by now, some of your cheap-ass friends would have stepped up and like thrown you a couple bucks, is what he said, right? And I told him he did. They did. They did. Like We had guys buying t-shirts for way, way more than they're worth. We had you and uh, some of the other guys, Dave, that that actually, um, they paid uh, too much for that T-shirt. Oh yeah, right? I ordered it online, and it was I think it came to like forty two dollars or something by the time it got delivered. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was worth a, every penny. I'm really sorry about that. So then I started doing things a little different, where I said I order the T-shirts, but I'm going to put it. Uh, I'm I'm going to like order them myself, and then I'll pay the one shipping, and then deliver them all out to everybody, or send them all out, so that on my dime or whatever. So they save people shipping. 
But then I was looking at the shirts. They're great shirts. Don't get me wrong. They're great shirts. But I'm looking at trying to improve the T-shirt game. We got some back orders on the T-shirts. And I just want to tell people that if you want a Life in the Dutch Hall T-shirt, I'm still taking orders for them at lifeinthedutchhall at gmail.com. Or you reach out to me at Facebook, uh, Life in the Dutch Hall on Facebook or Dutch Hall on Twitter. And you can reach me all those ways. And uh, if you want an order a T-shirt, you can get on the list of the people I got to order T-shirts for them. But I'm trying to step up the game on quality and price, see if we can catch you a better deal and get you a better shirt. But uh, so, there, so there might be a bit of a wait while I figure that stuff out. But thank you for everybody that supported me. And uh, Jeff, uh, thank you for trying to issue the challenge out there to get people off their walls to throw a few bucks at me so I can keep <laughs> replacing mics that people blow up and stuff like that and keep the show going. But... Um, too many Dutch listeners. I think that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have called it live from the Dutch Hall. We need a rim shot, eh? Wait, where's that? Uh, there you go. Too many Dutch listeners. The Polak comes out with a good dig on us Dutchmen, even though the collective Dutch uh, mass in this room right now could destroy your Polish body. <laughs> I feel vulnerable. Yeah, you should. You should. So I'm going to keep feedback. We got feedback nice and short. That's it for this week. Thank you again for all listening for listening to the show. Is there anything else I missed on feedback? Just maybe the our good buddy. Oh my goodness gracious! I did forget about my good buddy, the uh, Haitian dwarf. Let me just. All right, let's start, let's give let's hear it for a good pal, the Haitian dwarf. <laughs> and this is we can't play this one next week. Spread your crack, I ho, I ho. Last one, guys. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> All right, the Haitian Dwarf feedback. And uh, so every week, for those of you that don't know about the Haitian Dwarf, and some of you don't get the Haitian Dwarf, as I found out this week talking to uh, talking to a, an associate of mine. Don't he said, get the Haitian Dwarf? What do you mean? He's, well, a person, the, the, actually the person that's looking at filming the show, we had a meeting this week. We took lunch, as the people in the business say. We took a lunch. Have you heard of that, Dave? No. Take a lunch? Never. Well, that's what you say when you're in the business, when you're in show business, which is life. That's all pure show business now, Dave, so you're a part of it. And when you're in show business, sometimes people ask you to go take a lunch. They say, well, you like to take a lunch. You talk, you talk business, but you have a nice wrap. <laughs> like a, nice, a nice tie wrap, a crunchy tie wrap. Oh, I had an egg salad wrap. It had walnuts and, and raisins in it. And, and I know it's a weird thing to buy, but it was delicious. It was so good. <laughs> a little fart sandwich is what I call it. So um, we, we ended up, uh, so we took a lunch and he was telling me about the show and he's giving me some honest and open feedback, which I did appreciate. And, I, and one of the things he said was, you know what? The one thing I don't know about your show that I think is offensive, maybe even racist, he said. Racist, which I think I take great offense to. I'm not racist. Is uh, is a Haitian dwarf? I said, how's a Haitian dwarf racist? I don't get it. You know, he's I love the man. Like he's a great listener of mine. He supported me from the beginning. And he says, uh, well, I don't know. I think it's just kind of like um, offending everyone with the Haitian dwarf. You know, he's a little person. He's a he's a Haitian, and which I don't want to see what's what's wrong with that. You know, he lives in a country of Haiti. That's a great supporter of the show. He's a he's a he's a involved in dwarf tossing. Right, we know that about him. We know that he's, he's an uh, athlete, obviously. Yeah, he's an athlete. He's, a, he's in, in the entertainment business, which is what I like. Well, a lot of the little people that go in the entertainment business, and because they they're, they're great entertainers, and they and he's done that to me. He's been a great listener, and, and and I've got a lot of pleasure from our communication back and forth. 
So I don't see what I, what's racist or offensive about my relationship with the Haitian dwarf. And whether or not you believe his story about being a Haitian dwarf who's thought about cutting his penis off in a novel procedure, but then decided against it and been kidnapped by religious radicals <laughs> and held against his will and threatened to have his... Uh, his genitals cut off in some sort of a coup. And this whole storyline that developed from me developing a relationship with this guy, they see, he says he doesn't get it, finds it offensive, finds it to be like not, uh, not uh, appropriate for television, he even said. <laughs> and I said, I don't, I don't get it. He's my listener, and I think he's part of the show. And I'm not turning my back on the Haitian dwarf. And I don't think, and, I, and, and honestly, if they're going to make me cut up the Haitian dwarf character, it's like cutting off an arm. It's like cutting off a big piece of life from the Dutch Hall. And so I'm, I'm really reluctant. I'm really reluctant to, uh, because he's a because he's a part of the show. We he's form a relationship with my listeners. He's been there from the li- he's a listener. We form relations with the listeners. What we do at Life from the Dutch Hall. That's how, the reason why people love us so much. He's the original super fan. He is the original super fan. He's always I always say he's my best best fan, best listener. I don't I don't I don't think I've ever called him listener of the week because it just goes without saying he's listener of the of the show. Like he's the best listener, right? So Haitian Dwarf's here again, and he provided feedback last week. For uh, getting into the mind of Lori Ball, um, but we weren't able to get it in time, so we weren't able to read it on last week's show. And it was the feedback from the Weed Show that we did the week before, and uh, his feedback was somewhat, a bit, uh, somewhat uh, along the lines. I'll paraphrase it because I'm not going to read it. Um, is that he was uh, that the people who kidnapped him, the religious folks who kidnapped him, uh, ripped a bong hit when they did it. Is what he figures, and that was that bong hit that gave them the mercy not to carry through with their a- actions because they were in a nice euphoric mood, right? And then therefore he was not that he was spared. And he said, "Thank you, Dutch Hall, for educating people about uh, about this the, this lovely um, w- product, the plant that will uh, that will create such reason Medicine. amongst unreasonable people, right?" And and so I was glad that I was able to help, and I think maybe my show is help make the world a better place. You know, I think that goes without saying, right? So uh, the, the feedback from last week, we just received. I have not read it, and it's hot off the press. Is my announcer, Dave Charles. Can you please read it? I've got it here on iTunes. It's uh, episode 60. How many stars? Five stars. Oh, five stars. Wait. Asian Dwarf, big fan. This is Sorry. on the Lori Ball episode for everyone to listen. He says, I found this episode to be both informative and traumatic. Traumatic? It triggered a flashback to a simpler time. When a young Haitian had ventured out into the Caribbean islands to make his fame and fortune in the increasingly popular sport of dwarf tossing. In Haiti? This when he's just left the... Left. Just a young... Just a young... You can relate to this, Shane, bustling. you know, being an athlete, leaving a small community to yeah. pursue your dream as an athlete, like this guy here, the Haitian dwarf. A lot dwarf. of parallels. <laughs> a lot of parallels. Good thing. You can really relate to him. It was on one particular evening when an intriguing young tourist who called herself LVD, she pronounced it livid, and I had a brief romantic encounter. Is he saying he's had a romantic encounter with my sister? Is that what he's saying? He's just saying it's uh, LVD. Uh, both my sister's initials were are she, LVD. She pronounced it livid. I'm just reading well, it. They, neither of them would do that. So. Every, everything was going great, <laughs> including the handcuffs. What? Until she produced a frozen spoon. Oh, it does sound like my sister. After years of therapy, <laughs> the panic attacks eventually subsided. HD. So she gave him the old whack with the cold spoon, right eh? on the helmet, I think. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that does sound a lot like my sister. But I gotta tell you, uh, she she's very adamant that she has not done that. She has not I heard her that. say it. But uh, but she says that she's. But now this is evidence supporting otherwise. I don't know if I can believe the Haitian dwarf. Maybe it's not my sister. Maybe it's another LVD with a cold spoon. <laughs> but 
And it only works on a, on a, on an enraging erection that you can't get rid of. Like just one of those pesky four hour erections, right? <laughs> Usually brought on by some sort of medical uh, a problem, like or old age or whatever. In old age, I believe uh, this is this is a, only based on my knowledge of the of how are your body ages because I'm only forty one. So for me, uh, yeah, I still I'm okay. You know, like my, it's not as good as it used to be. There's a bit of bend to it, <laughs> but I'm still okay. Right, but when you get older, I think then uh, a lot of times it doesn't come up very often. But then when it does come up, sometimes you can't get rid of it. Is that is that that's my perception? What it like being an old man? I don't know. I'll ask my dad. <laughs> Could you do that for <laughs> me, please? Ask Jim if he just has he's ever had a four hour erection without the aid of medication. Other than that, because you never know if those old guys in nursing homes are just popping pills, right? <laughs> To see if they could just show a big black market for it, I bet. There's romance that goes on in those nursing homes and stuff, or retirement homes for sure. There's a lot of widows and widowers who are in the home, and it's just like college, you know? They're in like a dorm room. (laughs) If you're still well enough, if my kids put me in a home because like I can't be trusted or whatever in my own house, I'm and I'm still like a horny guy. Uh, Yeah, needs. And my wife has passed away a long time ago, tragically. But I'm over it now, (laughs) ready to get back into the game. (laughs) I'm gonna be making a move in the nursing home. I'm just telling you, be prepared. And you put me in an all male nursing home, and I will die on the spot. I'll die on the spot. (laughs) So I promise to my family if the kids ever listen to this horrible program. So (laughs) that's where my internship was for. Physiotherapy, and it was surprising how many women invited me back to their rooms. Really, at a nurse, <laughs> at a retirement home? Retirement home, yeah. Really? Uh, they didn't have their husbands anymore, so if I was working out their knee or something, half the time they were talking about was Higher. bringing me back to their rooms, <laughs> going back to bed with them instead of me going to my next yeah. client. Oh, really? <laughs> it's eh? me to go back and have so your demographic, with them. you're a big hit with the older ladies, then, eh? Uh, you're a bit of a boy toy. Yeah. They just talked about my beard and how curly my hair was, and that, that was the end of that. They, they wanted it. <laughs> it didn't take too much. <laughs> well, it would be a pretty good get for him to go that much younger than yeah, I imagine. It was, right? it was the hilarity of physiotherapy, that's for sure. <laughs> I would imagine. Oh, yeah, geez. You'd have to rub down the, uh, like uh, the, a lot of old ladies? Uh, yeah. Men, I, too? <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I'm going back to school. <laughs> I can't do that for the next sixty years. <laughs> too much. Well, I got to tell you guys, this has been a real pleasure to have you Bergman boys in. You both have been a great time. It's been as easy as I could imagine. I couldn't imagine it being any easier to sit down with you guys and uh, have a chat. Like, uh, just seems like we've known each other forever. Yeah, thanks for having uh, us. Yeah, that has been. It's been great. So again, that's what, thank you uh, to our listener of the week for the for the tip and getting getting you guys in here. And uh, thank you everyone that's uh, listened to live from the Dutch Hall. I uh, can't thank you enough, everyone, for helping us every week. And we really are gaining places. We have a big show coming up in a couple of weeks in uh, our live show in Kingston, Ontario, where we're going to see the Iron Sheik himself. We're bringing up a Dutch Hall crew up to Kingston to visit with the professional wrestler, uh, the Iron Sheik. And, and we're hoping to get some uh, audio of the Iron Sheik so we can put him on the air. Maybe he'll try to make Dave Charters humble, is what I'm hoping. I might, I might try and find a Hulk Hogan T-shirt with the rips in it and just tear it off right in front of him. Do you have time? Do you have time, Dave, to to grow a, a mustache and uh, dye it uh, yellow? Def- <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Especially once you start malnourishing yourself during the Lenten yeah, that's season. Right. Everything's gonna go. My hair is gonna go limp. Everything's gonna go limp. <laughs> well, with that being said, thank you very much to the to Shane and Justin Bergman for coming into the show and spending some time with 
with us. I should say great cup champion, <laughs> Shane Bergman. That's right. Uh, thank you. To, what? New story? We're not going to do the new story today. No, we're going to save that for next right. week because we had such a good show. We're going to end it on a high. So we'd like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, listen again next week for the Dirty Show, and uh, we'll give you details on how you might be able to see the first ever video broadcast of Live from the Dutch Hall. Until that time, everyone, follow me on Twitter, like me on Facebook, and uh, reach out to me and give me some feedback, however you can, at livefromthedutchhallgmail.com or whatever other way. Until then, I'm Pete Van Dyke. Take care of each other, and uh, see you next week. Where's the theme song? Utah. Go. <laughs> It was a least smooth ending, but it was a great interview, guys. Thanks a lot. Man. Yeah, awesome. thanks. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot, eh? Nice to meet Yeah, I was going to ask you how big is the... <laughs>